You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 657 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Wednesday, I guess early evening here in Atlanta, and joining me from across the country for the first time, Chris Kirscher of The Athletic is here. What's up, man? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm all right. Uh, you're a traveling man. You're, I guess, now in Phoenix, if I uh, understand that life correctly. Um, you were in yep. Denver, Denver last night and now in Phoenix, so uh, how's, how's the road? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a grind. You know, I don't have the luxury of the Hawks having charter flights and staying in five five star hotels and catered meals, but I mean, for for a single man in his <laughs> you know mid twenties, I mean, it's it's not that bad. I'm not complaining. Yeah, not not the worst life uh, I can imagine. Uh, I was a little bit worried that we would actually get news on Kevin Herter when we were recording, but uh, the Hawks did us a favor, I guess, mildly anyway. By sending yeah. out an, an update, uh, it's kind of unclear. I'm going to just kind of tell people what's going on with Herter if they have not seen this already. Essentially, the Hawks announced on Wednesday that uh, Herter had an x-ray at the arena last night in Denver that was negative, and then had an MRI this morning in Denver um, that is uh, still yet to be determined. So he's going back to Atlanta. That's kind of the headliner for me is that he's flying back to Atlanta right now, um, mm-hmm. but still holding in terms of actual news. If you're listening to this later, you might know more than we do right at this moment, but you were there last night. What, what was the feeling around Herter's injury knowing that we don't exactly know what's going on yet? Yeah, well, after the game, he wasn't in the locker room, so I wasn't able to um, talk with him. Uh, Talking to other people in the organization, they didn't really want to talk. So I had no news last night as far as the severity of Herder. I mean, that could be a good or bad thing. Um, Whatever way you want to read into it, uh, that's that's on you. But I I didn't really get a sense that it was – all that positive um and we'll see what the what the results of the mri but once Jokic last night hit his wrist and started grabbing his shoulder i didn't think it was anything good i, I would have assumed that whatever uh you know whatever the damage was of Jokic hitting herder when he went up to shoot it didn't look good he was in immediate pain uh he was slunched over slouched over uh uh, holding his shoulder and almost immediately he went to the locker room so whenever that happens it's usually not the greatest sign of uh news for, as, as far as injuries are concerned and it's definitely a blow for the hawks if he has to miss considerable time because they are without john collins and now they're without kevin herter for at probably at least three games i i would be shocked if he returned on a cross-country flight to los angeles this weekend and face the clippers and lakers so i would assume that the earliest he, he would be back is milwaukee next wednesday at home but if he can't go that leaves trey with a supporting cast that is not that great uh, uh you know he has deandre hunter cam reddish Alan Crabb is probably going to be back in the next few days, but it's not really that great of a team on paper when you have Collins and Herter not available to go. So it's going to be interesting to see how this team looks in these next few games. 
Yeah, for sure. And I totally agree about the cross-country flight. It's one of those things that the Hawks have not said yet, but if you read between the lines, I, I just can't imagine them flying no, I home can't. And, right. then back to, and then back to L.A. So even if it's the best possible case scenario, I would imagine they would just leave him in Atlanta mm-hmm. until Wednesday. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll see from there. The one good thing about the x-ray being negative, you know, it could have been like, it could have been like, like a broken collarbone or something like that, and it's not that, right. which is right. good. And also maybe not because, you know, there's some – there's some shoulder stuff, some labrum stuff that would be seen by the MRI that we don't really know at this point. So that's where we are. And I I totally agree with you on the uh, supporting cast stuff because, you know, the absence of Collins, obviously Jabari has been very good. I'm going to ask you about him in a second, but uh, aside from those two guys, offensively anyway, there isn't a whole lot of firepower without her. No. And Collins. Um, You mentioned, you mentioned Troy Young. Let's just start there after the Herder thing. That's where I was going to start with you, um, barring news about Herder, because obviously Young was fantastic on Tuesday and has been fantastic Mm -hmm. for most of the season. Um, What's, I mean, what's your feeling on him? Obviously he's basically playing like a star at this point in time. Is, is that real? And how's the, how's the buzz around the team too? Because, you know, I, I get to see him at home, but on the road, um, you even get more access than I do. So how's it going with that? Yeah. I I know, uh, there's, I know Ryan Rosillo said that. <laughs> Trey here here, here, was, we, here uh, we go with Ryan Rosillo. Right <laughs> off the bat. I like, I like that. Yeah, I mean, he was he was saying that Trey is a single-minded point guard and doesn't really look for his teammates. I think that's ridiculous. Can we curse on this podcast? Are we allowed? What's the? Uh, you know what? Go go ahead. It's fine. <laughs> I think it's bullshit. I mean, it's a it's a stupid take and it's ridiculous. I mean, Rusillo obviously watches a lot of basketball. Um, you know, he's plugged into the NBA, but to say that Trey is a single-minded point guard is just absurd um i i just i don't get it i don't understand where he's exactly coming from because even last night uh you know he's trey has to do a a lot for this team to really have a chance to win every single night um i mean the supporting cast that he has right now isn't good um it's not that good it it could it could potentially be a playoff team. I don't think it's going to happen, especially now that Collins is going to miss nearly a third of the season. Who knows how long Kevin's going to be out for? But if he has to miss time, I can't see this team making the playoffs. But with Trey, what he did last night was incredible. Uh, Forty-two points, thirteen and twenty-one from the field, eight threes. It was pretty ridiculous to watch. It was. whenever he shot the ball, it seemed like he was just going to go in no matter where he shot it from, no matter who was guarding him, no matter if he was double teamed. And even last night, the Nuggets sometimes were sending three guys at him. It was just ridiculous. And it didn't matter who was guarding him again. He was absurd. Um, And I can say that from talking to the team, they love Trey. They love playing with him because, again, he's going to find them the ball. He's double teamed a lot, so he's he has to find uh, his teammates, no matter who's on the floor, no matter their skill level, no matter their talent level. And there's not one person on the Hawks uh, who doesn't like playing with Trey. It's it's quite the opposite. They love playing with Trey just because of his ability to pass the ball. Um, he can make any single pass in his arsenal. He can find them cross court. He can find them down court. It doesn't necessarily matter where they on the where they are on the floor. Trey's going to find them. And um, you know, last night was a, a clear example of that. He can score. He can pass. He can do it all. I think I've been more impressed with him being engaged on defense, 
even with his load on offense being what it is right now, I think his usage rate is around 35%, um, which is, which is, you know, a, a big load for a guy who's in his second season, 10 games into a season, what he has to do for this team again to win. I think that's what I've been most impressed with. But last night, um, you know, beating a Nuggets team who's who's very good defensively was so impressive. I'm uh, there's not enough there there aren't enough adjectives to describe Young's performance last night. Yeah, I made fun of myself a little bit on Twitter talking about my my podcast after the game last night. Just basically, how many times can I say Trey Young was awesome in different ways? <laughs> uh, that's essentially what what about half the podcast was. But yeah, I, I totally agree. And the Russillo thing is it's just kind of funny. It's it's easy to pick on to you know uh, your friend and mine Kevin Chenard of Hawks dot com got into it with Russillo a little bit on Twitter about that, and he's been funny about it. And Kevin is a really really nice guy, and to see him kind right. of go in is pre- is pretty indicative of. Uh, of I just what don't understand it because I I just don't understand it because. I mean, we've seen Young now for, what, 90-ish games? And he's, yeah, I mean, he's a scoring point guard, but his passing ability is what I think is most impressive about his offensive game. I mean, we've seen him make literally any single pass that you can possibly think of, and he's always looking for his guys, especially when Collins is on uh, on the floor. Um, Collins has been probably one of the, the main guys who's benefited most with having Trey because he's able to throw him lob after lob, lob after lob. And, you know, what, what we saw in year two, he exploded. He's He turned into one of the better young power forwards in the game. And th- I think that was a, a big part of the reason was because of Trey's passing ability and, and his desire to actually find John. So I just didn't understand where Rosilla was coming from. And I still really don't understand where he got that take from. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And uh, knowing the locker room, obviously, a little bit, I have, I have the same feeling that you do. I, I've, never, I've never really seen it manifest in a negative way. Obviously, you know, Trey Young is a star level player who has an ego, like all star level players do. And um, I think he knows how good he right, is. And right. I think you can certainly see that the way he carries himself. For sure. But that, that doesn't mean that people don't like playing with him, that he has to have the ball and shoot. And like you said, his passing is uh, elite. So, yeah, it was, it was a weird take, to be sure. And people noticed, which is, you know, Hawks fans always tell us, even if I miss stuff, I'm always informed by bad takes on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> that, are, that are out there um so yeah i wanted to at least touch on that a second but yeah trey is you know he's he's the engine that makes everything work and uh like you said about the playoffs i mean he's the only reason right now that the hawks have a chance to make the playoffs because right with as weak as the you know the supporting cast i don't want to paint it as, as terrible long term or anything like that like it's it's fine they have a lot of promise the young guys have been um reasonable at times but the available mm-hmm. supporting cast right now without collins and maybe Mike Herter is uh not great so yeah um Speaking of the supporting cast, I wanted to ask about Jabari because uh, he's the guy who I think has been the brightest spot aside from Trey this season, offensively particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was a little bit skeptical of that signing, to be sure. Um, a lot of that was was the structure, which I still don't love because I think he's going to opt out at the end at the end of the season. But he's been awesome. So, you know, what do you make of the way that he's played so far, and does this all feel real? Because honestly, it feels like it's kind of sustainable. Yeah, I, I definitely do think it's real, and. You know, I, I've been talking to some Hawks fans who were like, you know, is this Barry Parker that we should expect the rest of the season? And I think it is sustainable, especially, and it's obviously a big gift, and that's what's been the case for his career is if he can stay healthy and, um, you know, have those minutes to 
be as productive as he has been on offense. And I mean, he looks healthy. He, he seems like he's in the best spirits that he can possibly be in. Uh, when he signed with the Hawks, it was obvious that he wasn't going to be the starting power forward. And he knew that because obviously John Collins is the starting power forward. And now Jabari has this opportunity where he can be Trey's second fiddle. And he's done very, very well. Um, I, I'm not really, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not really surprised with Jabari's production because when you watched him last season, especially when he was with the Wizards, I mean, it was clear that he can get buckets with the best of them. And with the way the Hawks play, Jabari fits in very nicely. Um, you know, he's someone who can run up and down the floor. He's someone who can thrive in transition. And as we've seen in Lloyd Pierce's system now in 90 games, they want to play fast they want to run up and down the floor they want to take advantage of the defenses not being set and Jabari is a perfect player for that I think what is he averaging like 18 points per game um I I think that is sustainable production until John gets back I'm curious to see what they're going to do when when John gets back um I know John has played around 30 percent of his minutes so far at the five I don't think he's going to be the starting center because Lloyd has been pretty adamant that (laughs) he wants. Yes. I mean, he's been pretty adamant about playing uh, John at the four. That's his position. He doesn't really want to change that. Um, So you would assume that when John does come back against Cleveland on December 23rd, he's going to go back to being the starting four and Jabari is probably going to be the sixth man. But even still, he's going to get the minutes to still put up the numbers that he has been um, maybe not consistently every single night, which he's been doing since John's suspension. But I, I really do think that his production is sustainable over the course of the season. If he stays healthy. Yeah. Um, I tend to agree. And uh, we'll come back with more discussion about Jabari Parker, John Collins, etc. After a quick break from our sponsors to so hold on tight. All right, Chris, we're back. And, uh, you know, back to Jabari briefly, I wanted to ask you this because I was ta- having an offline conversation with someone who I think is smart um, today about kind of what Jabari's role might look like once Collins is back. I know this is a long time in the future still. It's more than a month until Collins comes back unless he somehow miraculously wins the appeal. <laughs> and we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, right. Parker, you know, going on what you said there about Collins playing the four, I totally agree. And try to figure out what what the maximum, basically the allotment of minutes can be for Jabari Parker, because unless Collins transitions to a full-time five role, which isn't going to happen, and we both agree on that, it's kind of tough for Jabari to get to like 28, 30 minutes a game in the way that he has been so far. He was playing about 22 with John. Mm-hmm. It was still a pretty small sample size, like five games or so. But does that is he going to go back to twenty two, or is there other ways that the Hawks can maybe work him in more? Because I think if he start, if if he suddenly starts playing less, I know we're going to hear from fans about how upset they are that Jabari's not playing more. <laughs> for for sure, um, I think in those first two games, Detroit and Orlando, uh, one of the biggest reasons why they why the Hawks won those games is because when John went to the five you can see the the ability that the Hawks had not only on offense but defense switching um across across the floor um and it was a big reason why they won I know that from talking with Lloyd he likes how John and Jabari look together on the floor I just don't know 
with different matchups across the league how good it's going to look in some of those games but it's it's going to be difficult to get he's i'm looking at his minutes now uh he had 33 last night 36 against portland 32 against sacramento 29 against chicago i i can't see a way for him to get those minutes that he's been getting um especially in these past four games i i I don't i don't know how it's i don't know how likely it is unless lloyd kind of lessens on his stance of not primarily playing john at the five because john is obviously a big part of the future of this team they want to play him as much as they possibly can so when he does come back i I just don't see a way for jabari to get 28 27 minutes even yeah i mean i think in certain matchups you could just see john play more center and you know right maybe for sure four, it, but it's going to be matchup dependent for sure yeah all, all the time it's just a lot to expect that to happen and i have been pretty pro collins playing some time at center but you know until we see some indication from the organization that they're willing to do that for you know bigger swaths of time i just don't see that necessarily mm-hmm. happening um to the Collins front, um, I've heard nothing about this, and I, I've been trying to tell people that it's not very likely to happen. What do you think the chances are that he gets uh, his suspension knocked down or uh, appeal, or, or, or I guess the appeal successful? Because uh, in my mm-hmm. experience, the first thing that I that I heard a few times when asking people that would know around the team after it happened was it would basically be unprecedented for an appeal to work. But maybe you've heard something that I haven't heard. <laughs> yeah, no, I've I've heard the same. Um, just talking to people in the Hawks around the NBA, my colleagues, of how likely it is that an appeal like this is won and it's it's close to zero. And even if it's even if he somehow wins, the the process of an appeal just takes so long. So it's not like he's going to just be suspended. I know some Hawks fans are like, well maybe he's only out for ten games. It just doesn't work like that. I mean DeAndre Ayton he still hasn't um, – I'm pretty sure he still hasn't uh, had his appeal heard, and he was obviously suspended before Collins. So even if he so- somehow miraculously won his appeal, I'm not sure um, you know, how many games they would take off his suspension. And just from talking with um, a-, a doctor about this this drug and the effects of what it can do, it definitely sounded like someone – had to have knowingly taken this drug, knowing the effects of what it does. And, um, you know, for John, that doesn't bode well for his chances of actually winning the appeal. And again, it's even if he did win the appeal, the chances of that happening are, are close to zero. Yeah, and you know, to that point, and I agree with you, to the other thing about that is that even in Collins' public statement, he didn't, they, were, they, they weren't arguing that it was a false positive. They were arguing that right. he took it unbeknownst to him, which... <laughs> They're not, not right. going to work in an appeal. Like they can say, I no. mean, it's it's kind of just because standard. It's kind of standard standard operating to just say that you're going to appeal because it's just good PR. But it's, for sure, you know, it's not going to. Happen. It, it's <laughs> it's so hard to say. Uh, whatever I took was contaminated. It's it's not a good excuse. I mean, I know it's the standard excuse for athletes across sports to say, yeah, I took something that was contaminated. It doesn't matter at the end of the day because, you know, these guys are professional athletes and their job is to know what is going into their bodies and if he didn't do a good job of that then that's his fault and 
he's it's not an it's not a valid excuse for the NBA if that's your defense. So if that is his only defense that he possibly has, there's zero percent chance that that appeal is going to be successful. Yeah, maybe he has something that we don't that we don't see, but uh, based on what we know at this point, I, uh, I tend to agree. But I wanted to at least ask you so that that wasn't just me saying it. <laughs> um, what do you transitioning a little bit? What do you make of the rookies and particularly the the two lottery picks? Because you know they're rookies and they're up and down. Um, they're a little bit differently. I noticed, and I think we talked about this offline even that early in the process, it was pretty funny to see how differently Lloyd discussed DeAndre and Cam. Um, right. Because DeAndre is the older guy, he's more established, etc. Right. And then Cam, they kind of know it's going to take a while. But what what have you seen from the two of them? And even Bruno. I mean, I mean, Bruno's been playing too, so it's not. I think I feel like he gets forgotten sometimes. But these these three guys yeah. are coming in together. And what do you what do you make of them so far? Yeah, I mean, obviously this is Lloyd's second season, and there's there've only been a handful of rookies that have come through so far. But I think the first time that we talked to Lloyd in training camp it was like immediate that he had a huge crush on DeAndre and was singing him praises left and right and you know we've seen flashes of him you know being that kind of player where it's deserving of singing um, praises but I, I, I think for um, for DeAndre he he kind of fades on offense sometimes and he's kind of um, in the background and it's kind of, I don't know, un- un- unfortunate because we saw him be aggressive in preseason. We saw him, um, you know, be that second, uh, secondary playmaker and pick and roll in preseason. We haven't really seen much of that, um, during the regular season. Um, defensively, I think he's been fine. I think he's been, um, as good as advertised. I, I wouldn't say he's like, holy hell, like this guy is, the the second coming of Kawhi, which Alex Len said during training camp. I wouldn't say that just yet, um, but I I've, I think he's been fine. Um, you know, I, I would definitely like to see more opportunity created for him on offense because uh, I do think that he has the skill set to be a, a pretty good offensive player. And, and right now he's essentially a, a spot up shooter. Sometimes he drives to the lane, but um, you know, mainly he's catching catching and shooting from behind the line um behind the three-point line as far as cam reddish goes uh uh it's it's been a disaster on offense um and that's (laughs) i i mean that's putting it lightly i i just there have there we're obviously 10 games in so it's it's a bit premature to overreact to what we've seen but i mean i don't necessarily know what he does well on offense yet and I mean, I, when you take a, a guy like that in the top ten, you would you know like to see some sort of um, positivity, I guess, on that side of the floor. Um, last I checked, he was shooting like twenty five percent from the field. Um, it, it's I mean, the numbers are ugly, but I think what's a little concerning for me, and again, it it, it might just be ten games, is that sometimes when Cam misses like you can see him like throw his head down and like the next play he's just totally disengaged because he's thinking of that missed shot um you know i i think i think his confidence is definitely it's it's there and i think sometimes he's just too hard on himself and i know from just talking with 
some people in, in the organization, like they've definitely noticed that too. And they, they've told him like, you know, you don't necessarily need to be the star on this team. Like we, they have Trey, um, Trey is that. So I think he's probably expecting a little too much out of him. But the good thing about Cam is that defensively he's been fine. Um, you know, he's, he's been, I think it's a, an underrated part of his game. Um, not one that I, I, I'm, I think not many people knew how, um, how good defensively he was at Duke. And I think he's definitely shown that so far. And I think that is encouraging and, you just have to hope that the the shots fall for him. As far as Bruno goes, I mean, he's played he's played some good minutes, but a lot of the times he just looks absolutely lost on the floor. Um, there was a play last night, I forget exactly um, who dunked the ball for the Nuggets, but Trey was noticeably pissed off at Bruno. Um, <laughs> and that like, happens it was sometimes, cl- yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was clear that Bruno just – absolutely whiffed on his assignment and it led to an easy basket for the nuggets. And I I think for Bruno, I mean, he's obviously very raw. Um, I think he definitely has the potential to be um, a a rotational player down the road. I, I, I I don't see it this season. I wouldn't really be surprised to see him um, get minutes with the Skyhawks when they open their season next week. I think it's Thursday their first game in uh, College Park. I really wouldn't be surprised to see him play some with with them just because he is so raw. Um, But the thing is, on the flip side, the the center rotation for the Hawks is kind of a barren wasteland. I mean, I don't think any of these three guys get anyone excited. Um, You know, Alex Lynn had a very good game last night, but offensively in the first nine games, he was a disaster Damian Jones has had some spots that were bright, but he hasn't really shown much of, I don't know, promise. So it's possible that Bruno can stay up with the Hawks, but it also wouldn't surprise me at all to see him get some minutes with the Skyhawks just because they are down the road. Yeah, it's a it's a very convenient thing to be able to send a guy like that. Even you know, Bruno is playing um, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he's club. getting minutes. Yeah, so but so that that kind of you know negates some of the urgency to do that. But at the same time, playing him thirty five minutes in a game would be interesting to just have him go do that and yeah, play for and a I, full night. And I think it's more likely that they do that because the team is now down the road. If if it was in Erie, I don't know if like they would do that just because. It's, you know, kind of a, a travel mess to get there and it's not really the most convenient place to send um, someone. But because it is down the road and they the, the Skyhawks are practicing at State Farm Arena and um, Atlanta's old practice gym, perhaps it's more likely that they do uh, go that route just because it is a, f- a few miles from State Farm Arena for where the Skyhawks are going to be playing. Yeah, and we saw it's very different. We saw them use the Skyhawks for the Allen Crab practice last week. And right, that's a very exactly. Different thing, but that's, right. a vet, that's a vet that you can just send there for a couple hours and bring him back. Mm-hmm. And no harm, no right. foul. So, yep. yeah, no, no, uh, no issue with that whatsoever. Um, real quickly on Reddish, I mean, it's funny. I know you hear the same people that I do that get upset when we talk about him struggling. He 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 is struggling. It's not really up for debate. Um, but you know. 
the flashes are there. I, I totally agree. The offensive product right now is is not good. And the confidence thing is interesting that you note that because, you know, when he has it going a little bit in spurts, you can kind of tell that he has it going a little bit. Like if, if, he, mm-hmm. makes, if he makes he makes a good play or two, mm-hmm. he starts getting a little bit more energy and it's more yes. kind of visibly palpable. I'm sure it's even more so in person, but you can even tell on film, like if he's playing right. well, there's a little bit of extra spring, which is not... Uh, you know, it's not uncommon, especially for a rookie, but that's something right. that you have to try to get him to do all the time. And he's not a spectacular athlete anyway, so he's not going to just pop in that way. He kind of mm-hmm. glides, but I do think that um, they would want to get him to key in a little bit more consistently, which is something that's going to happen. He's he's the young guy of all these guys. You know, Bruno and, and uh, DeAndre were more multi, multi-year college guys, and Cam was not. So I, I'm not surprised at all by pretty much anything that we've seen so far. Um, I know that's it'd be better if he was playing a little bit better offensively, but this is a guy who wasn't that good in college offensively. It's just one of those things that was always going to happen. Um, and I think there's at least been enough positive signs, the passing in particular, um, that you can take some solace in that. It's still very early. I mean, all this stuff is so early. I feel like we have to talk about this stuff because it's 10 games in, but it's 10 games in an NBA season. Um, you know, <laughs> just kind of as well. Yeah, I mean, like, there was obvious... A lot of people were concerned last year with Trey with the way he started. Um, you know, he obviously turned it around in the second half of the season. But, you know, for Cam, he's not going to have, like, the same opportunities that Trey had last year just because Trey is going to have the ball in his hands. And Cam, he's going to have the ball in his hands sometimes, but he's not going to have the amount of opportunity that Trey had to really turn it around. So I'm interested to see how – um, how he is able to turn it around as the season goes on because, I mean, right now he's, what, he's averaging, especially in this past few games, he, I don't think he's eclipsed 20 minutes, has he? I don't, I can't remember. Um, I know the other night he, he had 15 minutes and he's probably going to be around 15 to 20 minutes a game. It's not ideal for someone to, especially a rookie, to try and break out of their slump that they're in, but you know, that's that's the situation he's in, and they can't really rely on him right now as far as being a go-to scoring option on offense, which I'm sure he would like to be that right now. But, you know, what we've seen is he needs a lot of time on, on that side of the floor. Yeah, and <laughs> it's interesting. Um, the night that they put Kevin Herter back in the starting lineup, they – uh, Lloyd, in a pregame interview with Andre Aldrich, said that they were not playing to play Cam any less, and then he immediately played less. Um, it was kind of interesting just to just to kind of monitor that stuff. Um, it's just kind of the nature of the beast when, you, when you're starting versus when you're not starting, is that you just it's hard to play guys. Even if, even if you want to, it's hard to. Mm-hmm. That, that was the thing with Herder. It was like, all right, you can't really play a, a bench player more than like 27 minutes a game without right. really tinkering. I know Bembry's played a lot um, at times, but it's just difficult when you're playing the first six minutes of every half as, with starters. Um, the minutes are just going to go down when you're not starting. I wonder what they'll do, actually, on Thursday without Herter, whether they go back to Reddish or uh, Bembry is famously uh, written in pen on the bench uh, from the way that Lloyd's talked about that. So yeah, maybe it'll be I mean, Cam they, again um, for a little maybe, while. I mean, Crab, maybe. Uh, but he's yeah, probably I mean, gonna, he's probably going to be on a uh, minutes restriction. Yeah, I was going to say, assume. I mean, I can't imagine Crab being full go, but I mean, it's, it, there's at least a chance that he plays. I think I think he's going to play, if nothing else. Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, they just sent the injury report uh, a minute ago, and some breaking news: Chandler Parsons is doubtful. He's that, not. That is, that's an upgrade listed. for Chandler Parsons. So he's not. He's not listed as out. Um, how many times? How, how many times have you been, have you been asked what uh, when Chandler Parsons was going to come back um, this season? 
every single time I tweet out the injury update, someone's like, is, uh, is Parsons ever going to play in the season? I, I, I don't know why Hawks fans are so concerned about Chandler Parsons playing because he's, I mean, not a part of the team's future plans and, um, probably someone who's only going to spend a season in Atlanta. So I don't know why that question is one of the most common ones <laughs> he's kind of fam- I, I mean he's, he's kind of famous honestly just one of those you know if you're a casual fan in particular like he's probably a guy that you might recognize he's made some news in his career um, yeah for sure so that maybe that maybe that's why i mean i'm trying to but i mean at this point it's like what with you. at this point i don't know what parsons can actually provide I mean, he's never. Well, there are there are, there are minutes healthy. for him really either. That's the other thing. Yeah, like, I mean, there's no minutes for him. He's never healthy. It's you can't rely on on him anyway. I mean, yes, he's making 25 million per year. Maybe Hawks fans have some sort of angst uh, about that and why they're actually paying him. But um, you know, I I don't understand why so many fans are concerned about if Parsons is going to play because. I don't think – I mean, I'm certainly not concerned if when he's going to play. Well, you, you do share one uh, very, very uh, common affiliation with Chandler Parsons as a Florida, as a Florida guy. It's, yeah, I so. mean, he was obviously a great Gator. Uh, <laughs> we, we've, we've, we've talked uh, – him and I have talked about I'm, the Gators. I'm sure you have. That makes, that um, makes sense. But again, I mean, what at this point of his career, I don't, I don't know what he can actually provide positively. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I tend to agree. Um, Last basketball question. The Hawks have three games on this trip remaining. Uh, you know, famously, you know, Tuesday was an upset. Um, whenever, whenever, whenever you have Trey, you can win. No question about that, as we saw mm-hmm. on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not going to be favored in any, any of these three games, and then they come back and play Milwaukee. Um, what's your expectation for this next stretch? Obviously, again, Tuesday was not expected, so we're all guessing to some degree here. But yeah. can they get another game on the road trip? Like, can they, can they steal one in Phoenix? I mean, Phoenix has been playing well, but it's still not a team that's, like, going to overwhelm you necessarily. Yeah. I mean, going into the trip, I I thought um, – I think we spoke about it, that if the over-under was set, it was going to be one and a half. Yep. Um, <laughs> and I, I personally would have gone under. I didn't expect them to win on the road just because – uh, you know, Collins is out and, you know, these teams, Portland has definitely struggled, but outside of Portland, um, the other four that they're, that they're playing, even Phoenix, like you said, they've been playing pretty well. And obviously, um, you have the Lakers and Clippers this weekend and, um, it's going to be tough, especially now that Kevin is out, uh, Trey's going to have to continue playing at an unbelievable level. And, I definitely am guilty of doubting Trey's sustainability um, because it's it's now every single night it seems like where he's getting over 30 points and over 10 assists. Even on Sunday against Portland, he didn't shoot the ball well. He was 9 of 30, but he had 35 points. He had, I think, 11 assists and was a big reason why the Hawks were still in that game. So. I I think I'm done doubting whether or not Trey can carry a team. It doesn't matter who's on the floor. I think he's just I I honestly think he's that good now. Um, but I, I I don't I don't think they're going to win another game on this road trip. I I would be surprised. Yeah, I mean, 
I guess maybe you get a Lakers team that's maybe without Anthony Davis since he's banged up and you're trying to, I'm trying to find positives, but I'm, I'm with you. They're going to be underdogs in all three games. Can they win yeah. one? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you have to either. hope that you have to hope that the Lakers and Clippers have uh, a load management plan in place. And um, I know Paul George is expected back um, in these next few games. Yeah, so. there, there are no back to back. I checked there, there are no back to backs in there. So I, I think you're probably going to see a close to full strength Lakers and Clippers and barring mm-hmm. the Davis thing. But that's maybe the uh, optimistic side. But hey, they, they got one. I mean, honestly, I think one I think and four that's a on the trip is not bad. I think it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly do think that's a win for the Hawks because, you know, going into this week, I thought it was I, I thought it had the potential to be an absolute disaster and, and could possibly spiral the rest of the month. And what it, what it, um, it, it was 12-0 uh, to start on Tuesday, I would have uh, told you that it was unlikely to get the thing that I went on the trip. So Yeah, because, I mean, last year in Denver, I mean, I think that game was over in, in five minutes, and they got their ass beat. Um, they gave up 138 points last year. It definitely had the feel of, like, that kind of beating. Um, so, I mean, they definitely showed resiliency, and you have to give um, a lot of credit to them because – especially on the road. Denver plays really, really well at home. I think they only lost seven games last year at home. Um, so getting getting a win like that where you, you're down 12-0 immediately and you know you have to rely on Trey when Kevin goes down, I mean, that's a, that's a big win. I think it's a big confidence-boosting win for them. And I, and I know from talking with them that they, they truly do believe that they can – beat anyone and I think that's I think that's admirable um even when the roster on paper they can really I mean if we're just looking at rosters um on paper they can't beat many teams but I mean they definitely have the the belief that no matter who's on the floor on the other side of the floor they can beat them and I think that's I think that's good for a young team Oh yeah, there's, this is a confident group, and they're, they are young, but certainly uh, it's a good, positive thing that they are uh, confident and believe in themselves for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let you get out of here, but uh, I have to ask you for. Uh, let's see, it's still early, so you may not have a great one yet. But give, give me your favorite locker room story, or I guess behind the scenes story that you are actually allowed to share. From the for this season? Oh uh, well, you, you you can go back to last year too. It's 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 a, it's a small sample size this year still. So give, give me your favorite behind the scenes story. That you're allowed to again. That you're allowed to share because <laughs> I know um, there are always stuff that you're not allowed to share, which I understand. I'm trying to think. I did not cover for this. This is my fault, but alas. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to come up with one on the spot. I don't. I can't really think of one on the spot. I mean, there have definitely been um, cool moments and and funny moments in the in the season and ten games that I've been with with this team, but nothing immediately comes to mind unfortunately i i think i would have to think about it and all that and means is that all the good stuff is stuff you can't share which is fine <laughs> I, I understand how this works chris so yeah i mean i i really can't i can't think of one off the top of my head no it's okay i should i should have prepped you but um listen you have uh, 72 more games to build up your portfolio for the next time that i ask you this question so it'll be yeah well I'll, I'll have an answer next time. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I think people know who you are at this point, but please, please plug all of the stuff that you uh, have going at the Athletic. I know you, you're, you're a beat writer, but you're not. You know, the Athletic is not exactly a traditional outlet where you're uh, posting five times a day. So, uh, what mm-hmm. do you got going right now? Yeah, um, you know, I'm I'm with the team for the rest of the trip. So, 
who knows what's going to happen. But, um, you know, I think the, the cool thing with the athletic is like you said, I don't have to post something five times a day. I don't have to post an injury update for Kevin when he goes down last night during the game. Um, and that allows me to do cool things. I wrote, you know, about Trey and Michael Porter Jr. being best friends and how and intertwined his career night with that. Um, I, those are the kinds of stories that I like to tell. I'm not really X's and O's aren't my, uh, expertise yet. Um, you know, bef- I've, I've tweeted this out, but prior to this job, I hadn't written one basketball story in my life. So I'm still learning, um, the game. I'm still learning all about salary caps and, and trades and all that stuff. So, um, I think that's definitely a good thing for the athletic just because I don't have to necessarily write things I can learn as I'm going. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, for the rest of the week, uh, I'll, I'll have a story tomorrow. Um, I'm, I'm planning on doing something about just 10 thoughts after the 10 games. Um, I, th- I don't know. I think that's all on my budget right now. It's a lot of TBD just because you don't know what oh, yeah. exactly is going to happen. So the, the season will, the season will take you where it takes you. I understand. The I season understand. takes us where it takes us. Well, uh, people will be reading, I'm sure, and subscribe to the Athletic. I know not everybody has it, but uh, it's it's worth the price of admission. So check it out. Um, yep, theathletic.com/slash/free-trial seven days. I know some people are always complaining about the paywall, but you can get a free seven days. Eventually, people will figure out that it's paywall, but uh, yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be 2027. You'll be getting re- replies <laughs> on Twitter about, about how you have a paywall at the, at the athletic. Exactly. So yep. I have a lot of friends that have the same problem that you're having, so I totally understand. Well, uh, yep. Chris, thank you for joining me, man. I really appreciate it, and we will, uh, I'm sure, do it again in the future. Enjoy Phoenix, and uh, be safe in L.A., because I'll never get you, I know. So. Yeah, I mean, with the way I like going out, uh, L.A. is a, it's, it's a town, for sure. It's, it's, a, it's one that you can have a lot of fun in. LA on a back-to-back is uh, b- both for players and beat writers can be uh, treacherous. So be safe it's not. It's 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 definitely not as uh, as bad as my first experience in Vegas. I'm I'm I mean I'm not going to be staying out until 4 a.m. like I did in Vegas for summer, league, <laughs> but um, it's it's definitely a fun city for sure. There you go. Uh, follow Chris and uh, follow this podcast if you'd like to do that. We'll be back again after the game on Thursday. So stay tuned for all of that.